The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is pod yourself the wire a the wire podcast where vince mancini and i go through every single episode of the wire and and talk talk about about it thank you so much for joining us once again for another terrific episode of the world's only the wire rewatch podcast the wire a show about saying fuck the bosses where the bosses also include your fucking ex-wife dude what mm. is up with my ex-wife that's been you know? uh, aaron sorkin's mo all along i don't know before we go any further just a reminder five stars and a review please on all of the platforms give us five stars on spotify apple Podcasts, all of that stuff anyways let's get into it uh today vince and i will be talking about from season one of the wire episode five the pager and our guest today, oh, wonderful guest. You know her. You love her. She is a comedian. You've seen her on Comedy Central. You've, she has a special out called Figuring It Out. It's on Comedy Dynamics. You can get it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Katrina Davis is here. Hello. Thank you hey. so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're Gold back. You were on... Yes, you are uh, on our Sopranos podcast, and uh, you know we we loved having you, and you're a good friend. And we said, you know what? Maybe she also has seen some of The Wire, and, and uh, I it's, had, <laughs> and you have, yeah. So that's so that's perfect. Uh, and we want to ask, uh, you like The Wire? Uh, I do. I was born in Baltimore. Yes, wow. that's right. So I have a very uh, mixed relationship with this show because yeah. <laughs> I hear things that I love and that remind me of things and I see things that I love and remember about it but then also a lot of that stuff is still like that and this was made yeah. a long time ago so <laughs> yeah that is one of the more depressing things about the show is uh is re- watching it realizing it came out 20 years ago and nothing has changed in fact it's gotten worse (laughs) yes like 
in my family, we treat The Wire like roots. Like it's not really <laughs> fiction and my mom won't watch it because it's too depressing and she gets yes. it. Like she's like, yes. I know what happens. I don't want to see this. That dude, that is, it reminds me of like in Jewish families. I don't know if this is true of all families, maybe just a few, uh, but uh, everyone has a copy of Schindler's, two copies of Schindler's List. One that they Case touch. The Nazis uh, and, take one of them. Right. <laughs> one is one you watch, and the other one is one that you'd never open because it's a special <laughs> version. I don't know why that is. Really? But I is mean, it like I, a director's cut or just the same thing, but like a mint condition one? It's a mint condition one. I could be just talking about one specific friend I have who did that. <laughs> and I always thought like, oh, it must be like, uh, you know, some sort of Jewish thing that I didn't know about. <laughs> I but, like the uh, idea that Jewish families keep copies of Schindler's List like Jordan's. <laughs> like they just keep one <laughs> pair to not crease. Yes, exactly. Honestly, I think that's part. I think that's what it is. It's like, no, that's our mint condition version. As soon as you take it out of the box, it loses all of its value. So that's just how it is. But, that one's uh, never been driven off the lot. Yeah, right. Exactly. It still has that new Schindler's List smell, which is not a not a good smell. But yeah. Uh, so does that mean like uh, when you're watching the show, are you like specifically attuned to actors? who get the accent and actors who don't get the accent. Okay. Well, here's the thing is my family sounds very specific and not really like anyone on this show. Like, mm. oh, okay. <laughs> uh, not at least in these earlier episodes, like I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, but I don't, mm -hmm. are any of them trying to, I don't think any of no. them are trying to, they're kind of just talking yeah. in like a, they're doing uh, a most vaguely of them are, East Coast maybe yes. thing, but they don't sound like they're from Baltimore to me at all. I didn't really pick up yeah. anyone yet. Yeah, I'm thinking like the, o the only person I can think of that sounded Baltimore-ish in this is like D's girlfriend maybe, and I think that yeah, like, like I don't know if she's the yeah, local, D but. And it's I don't Angelo know if she also. sounds like she's from Baltimore or just sounds the most hood. Like mm, everyone else yeah, is kind yeah. of just, she has like the most lines where you have like some personality or like inflection to her voice. Everyone else is just right. trying to sound hard all the time. Yeah. So maybe yeah. you can't tell. For me, the only way, uh, like the main way that I can tell early on is anyone who says two as in Q when they do that <laughs> yeah, little thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's that's how I know what's going. Yes. Like, I'm like, oh, that's Baltimore. So, like, I know D'Angelo has that, but I think so far okay. in this series, there's not a lot yet okay. of the Baltimore accent. I have. I was at work in Florida and like said hello to a maintenance man. I went, how are you? And he was like, where are you from? And I was like, why? I am from Florida. And he was like, you're not from Florida. And I was like, oh, well, I was born in Baltimore. He's like, that's what it is. Like immediately Damn. called me out. Yeah. There is a version of like knowing accents, like regional accents too well, where it sounds like you're, it's just, it sounds like you're doing race science where you're like, I yeah. know you ain't from these parts. Oh, I can hear it like, in your voice. It sounded so telling. It sounded like his ex-wife was from Baltimore. <laughs> like it was yeah. so like somebody that he lived with. He was like, wait a minute. What was that? That person owes me $500. Like that was how he turned around. Nice. Well, so do you have a favorite um, character or someone that uh, you really love on the show? I love Wallace. And I yeah. always loved Wallace and I didn't realize it was 
fucking Michael B. Jordan until yeah. this time. And then I had a full on conniption and was like, oh my gosh, I love him <laughs> even more now. That's freaking Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, especially in this episode. I feel like this episode I is when you really see Wallace as as a child. He's literally in in the pit uh waiting for, you know, fiends to come up and buy drugs and he's playing with like an action figure. Yep. This is <laughs> and, I feel like the full pivot of him like mm -hmm. like being forced into manhood by the things that happened in this episode yeah. and the beginning of the next one you love him even more but like i yes. wrote down at one point um black boys in the city aren't allowed to be children long enough which isn't yeah. funny but it was yeah. just like i no. kept watching all of these things happen to all of these young men yes and just being like this is what happens and then you just skip all of this like that's the last time wallace will play with a toy and it's yeah so upsetting it is it is and that i i had the exact same note watching this was just like half of that scene where like bodie throws a 40 at him and just starts yelling at him for playing with the toy <laughs> easy to see why niggas come around here stealing our shit like half of it is that like bodie is you know trying to i think maybe whip the pit into, sh into shape and be like, L look, I'm, you know, I'm someone who takes charge around here. But the other half is just like, it is showing like, you can't be a child. You're not allowed to be a no, kid. It's a and sign like, of you look at, yep. and you look at Michael B. Jordan at, at this age, I'm not sure how old he actually was right. in when he filmed it, but he looks like he's a baby. Little. He looks yes. he's little. how old I looked when I was about, 17 which makes me think he was about 13 and tw or 12 i was gonna and say like 14 yeah. tops yeah, yeah. and i know yeah. they put him in like jackets and stuff that make him look even smaller because he has like these yeah oversized but yes he and his face look so young so young i feel so like he young. still has like cheeks like you do before yeah you, like, have a growth spurt into teendom like i i I one time heard someone say, uh, I think it was a South Park joke, joke where he was like, nah, you guys ain't adults. You're clearly children. Your lips is too full. And, oh my uh, gosh, I, yeah, like cherubic. I, yeah, and I was like, oh, that is a thing though. The younger you are, the more full your lips are. Yeah. And I was like looking at Michael B. Jordan and I was like, he's, yeah, cherubic. He's got like round cheeks and these like full lips and he's like, he the looks like baby. he should be playing... He looks like a baby who should be playing Power Rangers uh, with his friends, but you know, well, what he's you're just born in the wrong that, circumstances. Well, what you're saying about that scene, I feel like it was a domino effect because old boy that threw mm -hmm. the bottom at him is like, what, 17? Yeah, 16. And I felt yeah, like yeah, yeah. he was 16. already trying to flex because he didn't feel like he was man enough. So then he exerts that mm -hmm. on someone even younger than him. I was like, none of y'all can even yes. buy 40s legally. Like, right. all of you yeah. are too young to be ha like feeling like you should have to do this yeah yeah this this episode has a lot of like um kids in adult situations where you realize as you're watching it for the first time in five episodes i'm like oh these are actually like literal children it's these are tough. children um but uh we're gonna get more into that in a second but first before we do we must of course play the theme song Pod. 
Big Pod. Podcast. Pod. The Wire. You gotta keep the devil. Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, today we are going to be talking about from season one of The Wire, episode five, The Pager. Now, this episode premiered on June 30th, 2002. Vince, can you break us off a little piece of that synopsis that was totally not written by me? I sure can, man. I love synopses that are written by the official uh, people at HBO. Uh, mm hmm. Ergo, the relationship between stick-up man Omar and his lover Brandon starts to sour when Omar realizes that Brandon cusses a lot. After blinding a 14-year-old for leaning on his cop car, Roland Prezbalewski totally redeems himself by cracking a code meant for children. That's right. Those are the things that happen in the episode. That is the synopsis. And... What was happening at the time that this episode came out, Vince? Oh, Matt, I think what you're trying to say is that all art has uh, context from, you know what I mean, how we do this. We've done it a few times. It's a bad time for newspapers. <laughs> the news hole is shrinking as advertising. I'm sorry, I didn't let you I finish. I was just going to say the name, at least. We're going to do the back called? in the day machine. Okay. Dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale, son. There we go. Yeah. Uh, for this episode, we're going all the way back to June 30th, 2002. What a year. What a day. Bush mm -hmm. is, a, is a, again, we covered this last week, but apparently he's still talking about it. He's still going to issue his strike first policy. Uh, mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah. going to strike first, strike hard. No mercy. No yeah. mercy. That, this is when yeah. the USA became Cobra Kai. We were that's about right. to I was do about some... to say, that sounds like a no fear shirt. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> we were declaring the right to do aggressive war on other people because there was vague threats towards us because aggressive war was, you know, specifically banned by like the Nuremberg trials and the Geneva con conventions yeah. and all that. It was a bad Geneva thing. Geneva conventions. It was yeah. both. And so we decided, you know, it was basically between 9-11 and the war in Iraq, it was basically like, what, a year and a half yeah. of Bush just being like, don't make us do it. Yeah, yeah while you hit yourself. Don't make us invade. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they kept saying, please don't. <laughs> yeah, please, we were no, like, but don't, don't do that. Us. Don't do that. As we're we were slowly like, putting on our our army boots. <laughs> don't make us yeah. do it. Um, in other news, new FBI alert warns of threat tied to July Fourth. Uh, federal oh, yeah. authorities have issued a secret alert to state and local law enforcement agencies, warning them of the possibility of a terrorist attack in the United States. Not that secret if it's in it's the news. Just newspaper. about to say. <laughs> yeah. We keep nothing i remember even around this time adults like this was i guess even 
wore in the 24 hour news cycle and then being like, yeah. why are they showing this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Like, right. I yes. grew up in the Navy town and there were people being like, that shouldn't be on TV. Like, yeah. what is going <laughs> yeah. on? Oh, we got a doozy of a second graph for this one. This is from the <laughs> New York Times. The message from the FBI, like others issued in recent weeks, was not made public because intelligence analysts concluded that the threat was too vague to justify a public warning, the officials said. The FBI possesses no information indicating a specific and credible terrorist threat related to the July 4th Independence Day timeframe, said the message. However, so we don't want to tell people that this is about to happen, but uh, you didn't hear it from me, the news. (laughs) The political and cultural significance of this date warrants increased vigilance. Uh, So if we just just to recap, uh, the New York Times is reporting that the FBI didn't make this threat public because it was too vague, but there are some uh, intelligence officials that are now talking to the New York Times for some reason. Um, so yeah. yeah, this is yeah. a fun time. A lot of double this, secret. This reminds me of a joke Danny. I heard Danny Jollis say the other night where he was arguing with someone about being wrong, mm-hmm. and instead of accepting that they were wrong at the end, they were just like, "Well, it could be true." <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah. That's kind of yeah. what that sounds yeah. like. It's like, well, July 4th is still a day where something might uh-huh. happen. So yeah. here's yeah. I got another great quote quote, money quote here. We're very concerned about July 4th, a senior government official said. The lack of specificity increases the concern and anxiety that is there. Cool. Yeah, that could cool. bomb a whole whole planet. <laughs> whole planet a target when no one knows what target is. Think about it. If you don't know specific target, that means everybody target. Yeah. That's, we got to bomb Iraq now, bro. Do it. <laughs> we can't live with this late, anxiety bro. anymore. Just we not can't knowing, live with this anxiety. We got to know who I wants mean, to bomb us. That way we, we have to bomb them. That way we know yeah. who would be trying to bomb us. Okay, so let's just bomb... Let's bomb whoever feels <laughs> like they might be the one doing the attack. That's my plan. Yeah. What about the, you? You guys like that plan? The alternate name for this was prison rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just exactly. Whoever might be messing with you. Right. Yeah. This is just just find the toughest country in the <laughs> Middle East. Right now it's Iraq. Just eat Iraq's just eating its lunch at a table alone. <laughs> yeah, America just shows up, knocks all the food off its plate, and goes like, I heard you were talking shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh man. Yeah. Um, but but going back to the other story, uh, it's the doctrine of strike first or preemption. Uh so it was like mm. he was saying that he uh he was going to uh unveil the plan in the fall. So they were talking about mm. the fact that we were going to unveil a new pre- preemptive action doctrine in the fall in June. So so they preemptively <laughs> announced a preemptive strike doctrine yes. to do preemptive strike. Yeah. The doctrine holds. Just do it. At, at some point, it's just like, why are you adding more? Like, you're adding more layers to this. There's too many middlemen here. Just do it. You're going to do it unilaterally anyway. Yeah. The doctrine holds that the United States must be prepared to launch preemptive strikes against the country's dangerous new enemies, terrorist groups plotting attack against Americans, or rogue states such as Iraq that could threaten the United States or its citizens, forces, and allies abroad. Man. Well, I hope that all works out, man. Yeah, I think it's going to go great. I think it'll go great. You got to yeah. be able to launch preemptively. Otherwise, anyone could be target. Yeah. Uh, in exactly, lighter, dude. In lighter news, 
the Ooh, song of lightning. the summer. It's hot versus me. Who will let the dogs out this year in the race to steal the summer's airwaves? Oh, God. There's always, yes! there's always <laughs> one breakout let, does single. Does that mean last year? Does Did last year the Baja men come out? Was that like, who will be the next who let the dogs out? Yeah, I or? think that's where they're going with this. I love it. Uh, can you guess what two songs there are? There they are. Okay, it's 2002, so it's Hot and Her, um, and it's what like an Eminem song, "Lose Yourself." I don't know. Without me, this year it's shaping up to be a battle ah. between Eminem's "Without Me" and Nelly's "Hot and Her" off Nellyville. Yeah. Yes. Definitely Hot and Her. Because wait, I'm trying to think what "Without Me" sounds like. It feels, uh, so, it feels empty. so empty with that, there you without go. me. Oh, now, this, this looks like a job for me. For me so everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, that, he's like a superhero. Mm-hmm. I yeah. remember that, that one. Good, yeah, damn, yeah. It was a good song. I remember Hot and Her because I was in Aust- I was in Australia at this point, and uh, I and I, you're like, it is Hot and Her. <laughs> no, but I feel like their their uh, top forty playlist was more like a top twelve for some reason. So like any song mm. that was popular, you would hear it. 15 bajillion times times. and so you you would just like walk (laughs) half a block and you would hear hot and her wafting from somewhere it was just like every five seconds just uh just like (laughs) beat drops i remember uh i can still see like the main video girl in like a knit triangle bullseye top like her tits were just two bullseyes Mm, and i just remember being like i'm never gonna be this girl like if this is what Mm, i have to be for boys to like me it's never i'm never gonna have a hot girl i was already giving up on hot girl summer i was like yeah Yeah, the late 90s and early 2000s really gave uh young men completely unrealistic expectations of like what absolutely college parties and just like parties in general were gonna be like just what parties were yeah I yo, I was watching a bunch of old videos with a Gen Z uh girl and it was so much fun watching yeah. like her perspective on like who are these women and why are they here? Like they should we should be doing something else on their own. Like why are they just hanging out? <laughs> but me also being like, wow, look at all of these very realistic bodies. Like I miss seeing girls with like regular stomachs and <laughs> mm-hmm. bathing. Uh, that's suits. true. Like it was bonkers how real the bodies were back then (laughs) yeah yeah it was before every rap girl in a video became like mostly cg like basically they would just let a regular ass girl drop it next to like a crotch rocket in like (laughs) an angled up camera (laughs) if you watch any like recent music video like the last uh the the video for uh wet ass pussy by cardi b and megan the stallion Every yes. single rap girl is actually played by um, Andy Serkis in a ball suit. Uh, the guy who played Gollum. So yeah. it's, he's, it's, he's not playing Gollum. He's playing every rap girl. That's no, it's just so like funny. everyone is more airbrushed now. And back then, yeah, it was like they went to an actual club and just started taping. Yeah, just to put a put a bow on the, uh, the back in the day machine. I feel like the theme uh, of all these stories was that 2002 – was a year when it became very clear, uh, I think, to most people in my generation that uh, that our that our institutions were like nakedly corrupt. Like I think like there was always yeah. corruption there that was like acknowledged and assumed, but like this was the time when it was just like six months of news cycle where Bush was being like, "Yo, 
we can totally yeah. invade other countries if they think if we think they have stuff that we want. That was like <laughs> right. It it was a year of like like actual manufacturing consent, and it's like one of the things where nowadays you know we live. And you used to do I that think, under wraps, but at that time they were just like, we are manufacturing consent right now. So yeah, you should right. Consent. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I am the New York times and I would like us to invade Iraq. What about you <laughs> patriot? Yeah. And, and yeah. So like when people now, you know, we, we treat this whole, like, um, you know, Trump thing is kind of this anomaly where he's like, he's, he's calling in a question, the, the institution of the news. And it's like, yeah, everyone kind of ended up doing that after mm -hmm. the war in Iraq. Cause we were like, wait, you guys really convinced us that y'all had information here mm -hmm. that, that, that we could, we should invade Iraq for various reasons. And it all ended up being fake and so now everyone's like, I don't know if I trust the news. So we can't really act like, you know, oh, you know, this is just something that, you know, existed in a vacuum. Trump showed up and said, what if I make, you know, fake news a thing? So, you know, this is uh, the beginnings of like, I think, um, really public downfall of yeah. our institutions. Institutions showing their ass for a long time. Yeah. Showing their whole ass. Uh-huh. So that's so that's what was happening in the time that this episode the pager came out so to get into the episode um so their pull quote is a little slow a little late avon barksdale um my own uh pull quote would be i'm a viking homes johnny weeks that's uh, what oh, johnny says uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i feel with so bad for horribly him. yellow teeth <laughs> yeah. I they did they did a great job with like yes. i couldn't not look at a mother berry <laughs> yeah. yeah uh my choice for pull quote was uh i don't want to go to no dance unless i can rub some tit from uh Les that was mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i wrote that down Oh my gosh! I mean, I think uh, that sounds Freeman, like something baby. I would. That sounds like something I would accidentally hear my grandpa say, and then he would turn <laughs> around and see me and go, "Don't repeat that." <laughs> it's a great, great quote. Love me some Lester Freeman. So this episode, um, like you said, uh, Vince, it is. It's about a lot of things. Um, what are what are our general thoughts on this episode, uh, Vince? Would you, did you like this? Um, so uh, okay, so my thoughts on this episode were uh for for a while when i was watching this episode i was like this is a very cautionary tale ass episode uh you know you got the extended sequence of uh of of avon taking d to see his dad that has like a that is like in a coma and then you got bubbles going to see Johnny Weeks, who's got the bug now. It felt very traditional. He's got the bug and he's pissing in a bag. Yeah, it was very traditional sort of uh, homicide slash uh, law and order, like don't do drugs or this stuff will happen right. to you. So there's a little bit, there was a little bit of that corny episode, but then you get a lot of uh, Omar. I think this is where like Omar cemented himself as like this new kind of character that everybody was just super excited or at least i was everybody that watches this yeah. i think for the first time is like oh my god i fucking love omar and so i think yeah. you end right. up remembering the omar stuff a lot more than you do uh the kind of slightly corny maybe cautionary tale stuff so it's sure. in a sense it's doing what the wire always does which is you know it gives you the 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 tropey stuff that uh, the tropey hooky stuff that brings everyone in and then uh and then gives you like a little bit of new stuff a little bit old a little bit of new yeah 
I agree. Katrina, did you like this episode? Um, yeah, I liked it. I do. I totally see what you're saying, Vince, about the corny, like the parts that could be more like after school, especially, especially looking back. But yeah, I did love a lot about how it shows Omar in this episode. I love Mm -hmm. that it shows him and old boy kissing. I think this might have been one of the first times I've saw men kiss like Mm -hmm. this in Mm. this kind of like way men that were portrayed this way like I'm pretty sure this is the first time I saw like two men that weren't already written as like ultra feminine right be tender towards each other yeah so I saw them kiss and was like oh my god I remember seeing this and kind of being like wait a minute what like yeah I've never seen this happen before. And just to have someone so scary be so loving at the same time, like, yeah, yeah. I Omar- like this. And I, I ended up rooting for, and I guess I probably go back and forth, especially the, as like you get further into the, the series, but I was like rooting for them to not trace their pagers like I really wanted them to just the cops to just leave them alone and let them handle their business at one point and I was like I probably shouldn't be thinking that but I kind of was yeah yeah there is there's this like tension where it's like who is going to um who's going to get the Barksdales first is it going to be Omar or is it going to be the cops and yeah after a while you're like I really think the cops should just wrap it up and go home and let Omar take care of this yeah he's uh He's got a much more interesting story than a, a bunch of like drunken Irish horny cops who are just like, how are we going to stop the crime? Uh, you know, <laughs> what if they I are- fall down the stairs? <laughs> yeah. I did. I did write at one point. Is this sponsored by Jameson? <laughs> it might have been. Everyone is Honestly. drinking Jameson. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I, I like this episode, um, but I will say. I was talking to some people recently, um, Francesca and I were meeting up with some people who, you know, they're, they're into like pol- politics and stuff and they're very political people. And they said that they tried watching the wire at a few different times and they couldn't get into it oh. because they had, they had no idea what was going on and it oh. felt like homework and whatnot. And I will say that this for, with this episode, there was a little bit of me that's like, I get it. I understand people who watch the show and feel like lost because this has got to be the most of all of the episodes we've seen so far. This is the most like throw you into the deep end and just let you figure it out for yourself. Like this, oh. I feel like this, this show does not hold your hand. Yeah. There's a lot of remembering That's so stuff interesting. In this yeah. I never would have thought about that, but you're right. It's like, cause like in this episode, they, to, the, uh, the show spends almost like zero time like telling you who people are like what oh. their names are and and who are and who are they're with mm-hmm. and why they are important and it really requires you to like remember a lot of hanging threads like in this episode we uh find out that this guy john bailey gets killed and john bailey i have no idea who he is yeah. uh Even they mention his death in passing and then it's like oh john bailey is the third guy in omar's crew the one who's not gay i didn't know his name was john i didn't know his name was bailey like it, it just was that guy does not look like a john bailey in my mind yeah i mean it, it, he doesn't look like a john bailey and also it's just like they barely mention his death you find out he died because uh stringer and avon 
are like sitting in a room. Stinkum is getting like his own corner. He's getting a raise, yeah. a promotion. Which and then, I, just to be so hood to casually get used to saying the name Stinkums. Yeah, also. yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Just two terrifying men two repeatedly saying Stinkums. No <laughs> yeah. one's cracking a smile. <laughs> His name's so Stinkums. That's, That's so silly. It's so silly. It is. It's. It's a very funny name for a very serious guy. Yes. Um, and like while he's getting like this promotion, um, I think like Stringer gets like a, a page or a call or something, and is like basically says like we got one of Omar's guys. I feel like in order to like really follow all of the threads like i've had to rewatch this show multiple times and it's almost like a fantasy novel more than it is a like uh like a cop show it's like in in the way that like people who are super into lord of the rings are like oh well so um the undying lands is valinor right so all elves <laughs> come from valinor right and so like uh if like you there's are a language in, to it right yeah. exactly it's like there's and so I, much world building that's done and they don't hold your hand at all and i do feel like it's similar to those kind of the like films in a way that like you're learning all of that through these conversations that yes. are just like, oh, I'm just supposed to listen to this whole conversation I'm because exactly. it's exposition. Exactly. Like when they they keep messing up that guy's name, Leggett, and Leggett, that becomes yes. like a long. I'm like, okay, so those two people are yes. relevant, but then later, <laughs> yeah, you have to do all of that on your own. Like, yes, I felt yeah. like I was eavesdropping and being like, oh, okay, got it. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> that. Honestly, that's true. I like and. If you are watching the show for the first time, and I think I remember this with myself, there were a lot of scenes that were basically like, you know, in Charlie Brown when the teacher is talking and it's just, oh, good grief. Like, because you're like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And I, at some point, my attention span is such that I just glaze over and I assume, well, what they're talking about can't be that important. It's they're at a desk. <laughs> Like, and and there's not any music cues to tell you you should be paying attention. So I mean, they they did that in the episode. I can't remember if it was one or two where they had like the black and white flashback to who the security guard was. Yeah, and that it was, was the only it was time. Very obvious. Like HBO made them do this, and they didn't yes. want to, and it's right. kind of sucked. And so they were like, "Ah, we're not doing that and, anymore." And they stopped doing it completely to the point at which, like, we uh, first of all, I was gonna say the uh legget guy he is a, a death that we never see and we only hear about in the pilot when i think mcnulty is talking to judge phelan and is just like basically saying here are some names of people who are connected are our deaths that came directly from the barksdale crew i'm telling you this guy is bad and the fact that they like repeat this name later on as if you're supposed to know who the fuck legget is 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 crazy but when you watch it more than once after a while you start seeing that every scene it it matters every every part matters all the pieces matter not only that you find new connections like new ones, there's a yes. scene where poot is talking about some chick he's trying to bang and uh, yes and her name is uh arletta muzone and I'm like, oh shit, is that Mazone. Brother Mazone? The, the is that a relation to yeah, Brother Mazone? Black Muslim muscle that uh, that yeah, Omar hires. I don't know what 
two seasons next season later next this season, season maybe yeah there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of lore in this but the funny thing about it is like with lord of the rings knowing this information about like who created the ring or whatever or these you know who morgoth is <laughs> is like cool to know because you know what powers they have nobody has powers in this so you're like well why would i care what anyone's name is and like, they're like you'll know later don't worry yeah <laughs> yeah right yeah. well and, i uh, do feel like as yeah. far as and i didn't think about this before but you saying that vince made me realize like there is a thing in baltimore where people are connected like that mm. in these weird ways where like my parents grew up in baltimore like i don't know 10 to 15 minutes away from each other they never went to the same schools but they know all of the same kids Damn. like they'll talk about whole families and be like wait did you know him and they'll be like no but i knew her sister and there were five of them all together and like they break down and they'll be like like my parents judge just did this when i was home and my dad's mm -hmm. like yeah luke dated her older sister and that's like one of his best friends that he just went fishing with it's like <laughs> all of these so it will kind of be that kind of thing where i don't know if someone was just like putting in baltimoreisms where right. you really are like low-key connected to people like that yeah. if you stay it is in a the small city your whole it life it feels like a small town which is i think also what makes it interesting is like rather than having this like giant expansive city um feeling where it's like you really can get lost i think in like shows that take places that take place in other cities baltimore starts to feel like a small town in yes. the way that everyone you know at one point when um carve is talking to uh he's like interrogating bodie and he talks about like the east side project that he you know yes. comes from and and bodie knows it and yes. you know it's like yeah, it feels like in That's a way absolutely the kind of thing that you could be like, oh, I dated so and so. And you'd be like, wait, that lived on here and here. And yeah, that's right. like whatever house. Yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. I love that. And his sister with the club foot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone knows each other. And uh, the details of this are so specific and they don't necessarily for me, it doesn't get in the way of enjoying the show when I didn't know who they were talking about. But I do understand for some people. Hello. Speaking of getting in the way of enjoying the show, uh, Matt, we have to stop for some ads. Oh, oh no! Yeah. I mean, oh yes, oh, hell yeah. that's right, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else. Before we continue, first we must hear a word from our sponsors. Who? I don't know who they are yet, but we'll find out. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. <laughs> All right, guys. Back to talking about The Wire. Um, So, I've split this episode uh, into uh, three different parts. There's Omar coming. D'Angelo hates his job. And finally, a show about wires. So those are <laughs> those are our three three things. I say we start with the um with the Omar storyline because Omar I think is everyone's favorite character. He's beautiful. He's, he's the gay. Best. His he's very violent. Are beautiful. <laughs> I mean, they <laughs> set up He yeah. doesn't swear. In the in the last episode, they set up this whole thing that Omar is going to team up with mm-hmm. uh with our with our ragtag te- ragtag team of outsider cops that we've uh, come to know and love and they sort yeah. of set up this whole thing like they're going to join forces and that would be like the fan service thing to do um mm-hmm. and then they show up and you realize that like the cops are kind of too stupid uh, and omar's too smart for them to yes. uh, catch him up in something yeah no. um, completely so yeah so they like they go like they're gonna arrest him but he's like nah, you guys aren't gonna do that but i do have some information and he just tosses off you know, yeah. like a couple nuggets of information that they've been seeking this whole time. Uh, and he somehow knows that they're uh, trying to find out. Yeah. Their whole plan was follow Omar and at some point uh, arrest him with a gun right. because he will have a gun. Right. They and sat they- all day just hoping he was going to have a gun. when they. Yes. They sat all day. I think multiple days <laughs> waiting for him to come out yeah. with a gun. Uh, and so they could pull him over, find the gun, and then flip him and coerce him into being a CI for their uh, case against the Barksdale. Instead, he has leverage on them because first he gives them the crumb. He's like, oh, I also I know who killed uh, the citizen. Uh, yes, Gant. yes. So he gives them that. And then he like drops that uh, he knows that Bubbles is their informant. So yes. like yeah. they can't, yeah. <laughs> they can't now they can't fuck him over because he can he can tell the Barksdale crew who their snitch is. So yep. like yes. they can't do anything to him now. You know I used to work the homes back when your brother was up there. You get a chance, let them know they blew up John Bailey last night. Good man, a lot of enemies. Mm-hmm. Saying you trying to catch up with Bird? Word is he dropped the working man. Hey, wait, hold up. Come on, don't play me. What working man? What Bird? Come on, now ain't but one working man now is there. Bird? I think your snitch can handle that. Shit, bubbles no bird. That's such a an amazing scene because I think going back to what you were saying, Vince, about like the i think it was in the pilot when they did that flashback mm-hmm. to seeing who willie gant was he's yep. the guy in the courtroom who said him sir he is yeah. the bad man and then he <laughs> you see him dead in yeah. this they don't even say his name he just says her bird got a working man and mcnulty is like wait wait who, who are you talking about and he goes 
There ain't but one working man. They won't even give you his name now. Uh -huh. It's like, yes, Willie Gantz. You're supposed to know. Like you're supposed already. to know. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to know that Willie Gant is the working man, the one who snitched uh, in the courtroom, in the pilot. He is the one who D'Angelo, when he was like locked up for a second, they try to get him to write a apology note to him, to <laughs> hoping that he would incriminate himself. And they mentioned that, you know, hey, this this was a civilian. He wasn't in the game. He was a working man. You're supposed to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and and understand who they are talking about. And yeah. I think, you know, I give audiences some credit. I think most people knew who the working man was. But I love that they completely abandoned. Like, they probably said to HBO, no, fuck off. We're not doing that. Yeah. We're not doing a flashback. It I'm done. I feel like there's a. Oh, and it's like a more extreme version of this, mm -hmm. but there's a old like noir detective movie called Brick that Joseph oh, yeah. Gordon-Levitton and the whole thing, they're speaking a totally different language <laughs> and you playing that scene felt a little bit like I was in that movie for a second because yeah. everyone has these code names based on what they're into. It's like, oh, the songbird, da 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 Like yeah. everyone has these different <laughs> things. And that's yeah. what, when he was talking, I was doing the same thing. Like, well, what the, who the hell is the working man? And being like, <laughs> okay, yeah. what, why is he, but that is also Omar would speak in riddles right like, yes he would like limerick the cops mm -hmm. I, and, not yeah. only that it's like <laughs> I answer mean, me these questions three yes. <laughs> yeah and not only that it's like th this is sort of a microcosm of why i end up you know loving the show and going back to it is it like it sets you up for some kind of fan service that they would do on every show or it's like yes all your faves are gonna team up and then it pulls the rug out from under you where at the last second it's like no, that's stupid. Uh, Omar's way too smart, and the cops are way too stupid for that. But then it does give you like this other form of fan service that ends up being way better, which yes. is like it gives you Omar as this guy who just knows everything, uh, yeah, and could never get caught, like could never get caught and uh, you know played by the cops in that way, and instead he's gonna do the reverse and play them, which is right, great, yeah, much more fun to watch and. And and just like more real and interesting than you know, uh, watching the oh they're gonna create some sort of justice league in which yeah. Omar and the, the the cops are yeah the cool are, criminals and the cool cops team up to take out yeah. the bad criminals and 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 later in the season you know they you think you see a version of that but then when you realize that Omar is still going to continue doing his uh profession of choice you realize like oh this is uh this is a really flawed partnership that works mostly in favor of omar and that's mm -hmm. what makes it a thousand times better but um but yeah so uh, the other things happening in this uh particular omar storyline is before the parlay um you're watching omar like design some trap you're seeing how they like um how they stick up drug dealers and uh you it's him and bailey and uh brandon uh his lover who are all together the omar uh, the, brandon and bailey circus yeah exactly <laughs> and they're uh they're on the east side and um you know they're basically planning out how they're going to uh trick some young hoppers into uh a corner and then stealing their money and drugs That'd be the trap right there, homes. You figure they roll through the alley for sure. 
Man, rats always run the holes in time of danger. Hey, you him, ain't you? Who? Danger. <laughs> There's something so cute about all of the interactions <laughs> between Brandon and Omar. Cause like Brandon is clearly, I don't know, just um he's enamored with with Omar. You know, he's just like Omar is just so cool. Like it, yes. it reminds me of that movie True True Romance, where it's like Patricia Arquette's main thing is just, you're so cool. That's uh -huh. <laughs> That's what it feels like. I just, yes, it's, it's he's very so cute. naive and yeah. like he, okay. And this is again, an extreme version, but he reminds me a little bit of in, this is a very new reference, but this mm -hmm. fool Chris Estrada show, when they pick up the little boy that thinks that they're in West Side Story the whole time, oh, instead yeah. of actually going to fight in a real gang. That's kind of what Brandon feels like. He thinks it's pretend. Like he knows yeah. it's not pretend, but he's like, We've got guns and I with my boyfriend and this is so yes. cool and sexy. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because it, it is well, like they do show it, him playing pink a pinball later we're like I right know. yeah he's literally so doing boyish. video games yeah. yeah yeah he's out in public <laughs> after having Again. just ripped off the biggest fucking drug dealers on the west side of baltimore exactly. he's out in public just like being the king of pinball like i remember when i first watched it thinking like oh they're gonna get the wrong guy maybe that's not him mm. that was the thought i had but yeah. then when it ends up no that's him you're just like Fuck this kid is naive, he man. Is that dumb. It's like go to the inner harbor, idiot. What's <laughs> wrong with you? Like take a cup, go a couple blocks before you go celebrating. But yes. even it shows that even Omar is not above, you know, thinking with his dick in terms of hiring True. Uh, uh, competent people around him. You know, he's pulling the whole, you know, hire the hot chick as your secretary, even though she can't use Excel. Uh, yeah. 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 And uh they have one more cute scene together that I love um, in which they're talking about the fact that um, Bailey, who is uh, the third guy in their crew, is missing. Ain't like him to be late. Bailey, you fucking dope fiend. Tell you, them fucking people ain't to be relied on. You always got to talk like that, man. What? F this and F that. <laughs> Don't nobody want to hear them dirty words, man. Especially coming from such a beautiful mouth. I love that he just I love doesn't there's like, swear. There's a gay stick-up guy who has like the morals of a Victorian era like grandmother. Exactly. <laughs> that he's like, yes, I literally blow holes in people with a double-barrel shotgun, but also yes. etiquette. Like, yeah, yeah. Have some decorum. My love dick can't get hard to sodomize you when you use the word the Lord's name in vain like that. I also, I just, he's like, don't nobody want to hear those dirty words coming out uh, such a beautiful mouth. And it's like, no, that's just you. This is a very you thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I don't think anyone you else would centric. notice. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Makes me go soft. Yeah. Um, but it's a very sweet scene. And I, I you really got to give a shout out to Michael K. Williams for this character because, like, it wasn't just that he was gay. Um, it was that he went he went for it. Like yeah. when they make out, it's like, whoa. Yeah, like he likes him. Like yeah. He, yeah. I remember thinking like, oh, the actor must must be gay. Yeah. Well, be because, because, because I just when was Pulp like fiction I'd... came out, like there was a thing where Quentin Tarantino was like, Yeah, I had trouble finding like a good black actor who would be willing to uh, you know, get 
pretend raped in the uh, scene and that oh, in the really? ball gag scene yeah uh-huh. and so like that's kind of in your head when this came out i mean then, you just like michael k williams is like no nah, dude i'll fucking i'll fucking do it don't worry about and, it and not just do it but like really really do it like really go for it like yeah. do a like you know well, a, like you said when you said vince that he hired the hot girl i like not that I disagree, but I feel like he likes him more than that. I feel like he oh, might yeah. love Brandon. Like, sure, yes, yeah. Yes. But Brandon's you... also still a slightly incompetent uh, stick-up boy. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. He's not. He's definitely not as discreet as Omar. Um, but he does love him, and you can see that in the like. I mean, he kissed the shit out of him, and it's really like a hot kiss. You know, <laughs> it's it's. I'm into it. Um, so uh, should we leave, yeah. Matt? Oh uh, yeah, could you guys leave real Matt, quick? <laughs> here's the thing, Matt didn't clip that up for the podcast. He already had it yeah, clipped no. up from before. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, this is I'm ringtone. not even recording now. I just want to show you my favorite weird boners I get. Um, that's another so, podcast, Matt's weird boners. Matt uh-huh. weirds. Oh, dude, that's yeah, that's called the just, broadcast. It's called the broadcast, and you can get it on Patreon.com/slash/broadcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so then, of course, uh, as we said, Kima and McNulty follow Brandon and Omar, and then they have that parlay. While they are doing that stakeout of Omar, one of my like favorite parts of this uh, stakeout is that McNulty is with um, Kima and asks to borrow her phone, and then has a scene where he calls his ex-wife and argues <laughs> about... Uh, the kids like he ha- they, he has two boys that he wants to sleep over at his new divorced dad pad <laughs> and they're having this argument in which basically you can't hear his ex-wife on the other end of the line but the summation of the argument is i don't believe you actually have a bed for these kids to sleep in and he's like yeah i do i have a bed and uh he doesn't he is lying (laughs) (laughs) he leaves immediately after the scene with uh with kima and goes to ikea and then builds uh some some bunk beds in well he fails to build them he tries to build them uh and he's very scene was very drunk unbelievable of the entire episode to me <laughs> like there are there's drugs there are strippers there's a lot of things going yes, on and i there's was like gay stick up boys did not build this bed <laughs> that mm-hmm. drunk in lighting this dim it yes. didn't happen it didn't happen oh, wait didn't he fail like he never no built no no it. They at the, kind at, of just cut no, no, to no. it being done. Yeah, no, they they I cut to he it being done. Someone. He dumps it mm. all out messily, like is barely looking at the direction. I'm like, yeah, the screws are already all over the floor. Like you yes. started this so you gotta find the fucking Allen wrench, man. You're never gonna get yes. those. He didn't no, even he... like line up the letter boards in the yes. same <laughs> piles so he can. Like... I love that at one point. So he's drinking. He's just drinking that fifth of Jameson. Yes. He's singing. He's singing Bottom, some label out Jameson. Yeah. Okay. Label out Jameson. He's singing some Irish ditty about whatever the fuck. And uh, <laughs> he like has the Allen wrench in one hand. He drops it. And then he takes that as a cue to drink more. <laughs> so He just gets con- just continually drunk during that scene. Um, and uh, I love it. I love it because it is, you know, that's like it's a metaphor for the show. It's like I, I building IKEA furniture drunk is difficult, but if you're McNulty, you'll do it. All the pieces matter. 
you'll figure it out. You just got to connect all the dots. Exactly. That's how they bring up murders that you haven't seen. Yes. It's just all the different pieces of the Ikea furniture. Just like, Honestly, you'll figure it out. This show is the Ikea instruction manual of TV shows. It's like... <laughs> You kind of get what they're saying, but there's a lot of having to look at the box and go. A lot of it okay. is just you as that little stick figure going mm? with a question <laughs> mark over your head. Oh, it's so true. Um, and yes, uh, at the very end of this, um, McNulty actually doesn't get his kids. Um, I guess his kids, uh, his wife keeps them away, and he just sulks. On yeah, the they're bed. all just like gone or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, he was supposed to get the kids for that weekend. And I guess his wife said, I still do not believe that you will have a bed. Um, and he also calls his wife a cunt in the most roundabout way. Uh, we have <laughs> a segment uh, that we like to call David Simon's Guide to Fancy Curse Words for English Majors. Oh. And uh, I think that this scene is a perfect nominee uh, slash exemplar of this segment. Color? What the fuck do you care what color they are? Hello? You would think I'm a less enlightened man than myself, cruder man than myself, a man less sensitized to the qualities and charms and value of women. A man like that, not me, but a man like that, he just might call her a cunt. You just called the mother of your children a cunt. No, I did not call her that. Yes, you fucking did. No, I did not. I got some stuff to do. <laughs> just, he leaves the car going, all right, all right, I got to build this fucking bunk bunk bed for my cunt ass kids oh so great i just uh yeah you know i, I feel gotta, like that's like yeah. if a bro version of how amy sherman paladino writes like <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean it was yes. like you said it was so roundabout but then ends in cunt still like, yes yes yeah it's 100%. the writer like giving him elaborate permission to call a woman a cunt and he's like yes. doing it yeah. through his characters yeah, I love that. He totally does do the like the satire rule. It's like no, he can say that because it's not him. He's saying he would say that if he were that character. Yeah, it's yeah. kitschy. So yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I uh, he called her nobody... a cunt with a K. It's like lighter. It's a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. cuter. It's not quite as harsh. It's fun. Nobody yeah. ever thinks this is funny, but me. But I did have a guy once. Uh, threatened to set me on fire and I said you threatened to set me on fire the other day and he said I didn't say I was gonna threat- set-, set you on fire I said I should have <laughs> and tried to like important distinction die yeah. on that yeah. hill yeah. no I should have when I had the chance yes. you know that time you were covered in gasoline that time I did it because I'm should. so good yes yeah. <laughs> yes that actually makes me a good person because I didn't do something that anybody would have done. <laughs> Everybody wants to set you on fire. <laughs> he sounds like a nice guy. Um, <laughs> moving on. Now we're in the, the uh, storyline. D'Angelo hates his job. So in the storyline, D'Angelo is trying to recover his pride after the pit got uh, robbed. But also he seems to be growing more and more disillusioned with his life as a gangster. Um and we start off with they're back at the pit and um you know we talked about the scene where michael b jordan is sitting around playing with like an action figure and um bodie and poot are having a conversation about how whether or not one can get aids through uh getting your dick sucked i think that's um, why this this episode comes off as a cautionary tale-ish because there's like uh, a lot of aids talk and a lot of bug talk yeah that was the uh that was like the uh the the ultimate cautionary tale like throughout the entire 90s uh yes yes 
Yeah. And, yeah. And you have to remember, like, 2002 Baltimore is still the 90s. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah. there's still. It's Just look not at Rhonda like, Perlman's hair. Yeah, exactly. Just look at everyone's hair in the show. I mean, everyone is. There's actually a great character. If we're doing um, our segment, Public Hair, mm -hmm. um, there's. This is the segment in which we find someone in the episode whether a main character or a side character who has the most real ass fucking bureaucrat looking hair and it is in the scene where Phelan uh Judge Phelan comes in to sign the affidavit uh for the pager there's this like you see Rhonda and Keeman McNulty but you also there's a blonde woman she has one line and it's something like the second copy goes to the police and the she, blonde lady with the glasses. Yes, the blonde yes! lady with the glasses. I knew who you're gonna like. I knew who you're gonna say before you even contextualize it because it's like you so, could not not notice that. It's yes. amazing. It's like another example of like, is this not an actor? Is this a real person? Because I don't know how you get someone who looks so much like they are the fucking shift manager of the TSA, and <laughs> yeah. they and they went to a supercuts and tried to get the Rachel. Like, the shit looks yes. I was like, noticing that, too, just 90 stuff, like the lip liner, the yeah. dark yeah. liner. Like, there were some things, like, everyone dressing in, like, sexy business lady doing business outfits. Like, right. everyone looked like but my mom. But from 10 years ago. Yes, like, yeah. when ladies used to wear sneakers with suits, and I was yes. just like, let's yes. go. Oh, I loved it. I was so impressed with, again, they just find the perfect, the perfect casting for people who look like they, you know, took a wrong turn at their job at the DMV <laughs> and were like, oh, you guys are casting for a part in The Wire? I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Which they really did sometimes, not oh, yeah. for yeah. those roles, but like my cousins definitely got paid as extras at The Wire. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that it was a thing they definitely did um, in, yeah, I think in a, in a lot, not just uh, in the scenes in the PJs, but also I think there's a few... Um, actual non-actors who play policemen or ah. you know uh, like people who are just they look too real to mm -hmm. not to you're like this is not an actor this is yeah. this is someone who actually does this job and to show you how real time this is uh the reason some of my people in my family did it is because it paid five dollars more than being a real lookout so hey <laughs> but yeah i mean trivia by the way uh that conversation oh, uh, about HIV AIDS transmission is taken almost verbatim from the nonfiction book, The Corner, A Year in the right. Life of an Inner City Neighborhood by uh. David Simon and former homicide detective Ed Burns. You're saying you can't catch the bug just by getting your dick sucked. Dumbass, you gotta be in some pussy to get it, all right? Man, we're cool if you want. Right? But don't nobody like sucking on rubber. How would you know? <laughs> I mean, I remember, I, I think I literally had that conversation um, on the schoolyard when in elementary school in the 90s where where we all learned, like, you can't get AIDS from, you know, shaking someone's hand. and yes, you you kissing. can't Yeah, you can't get it from kissing and you can't get it from getting your dick sucked. And I remember thinking, like, that's that's pretty much all you if I. I that's great news because if I had it at that time, if I had had AIDS, I'd be like, oh, all I have to do, all, I just get my dick sucked all the time. Sounds like heaven, bro, because <laughs> I'd never had any of it. So. Um, Bodie says no one likes the taste of rubber. And then D clowns him and he says, how would you know? And that's the point at which 
uh, Bodie decides to just throw a 40 at the wall against uh, just to like. Instead I don't of saying know. your mom told me, which would have been the obvious response. There, yeah. But. Yeah. He should have said your mom told me or, you know, a, a, attempted a D's nuts joke. But instead <laughs> he decides to he, he decides to punk Wallace. And it's uh, in that moment where it's like you can kind of tell that. Bodie is he's still trying to establish dominance and he was doing like you were saying with the domino uh, effect where he's he's it's like the pecking order where he's just like he knows he really he knows that D likes him he D looks at Wallace as like a young innocent kid who's yet to be spoiled by the game and Bodie I think wants to ruin that for him a little so he starts to fuck with him which uh mm-hmm. that's what Bodie's like um and then wallace and, makes that very childlike scream when the bottle uh breaks over him Aww. which is sort of heartbreaking i know i know it's so sad it's really cute uh and um but don't worry Bodie gets his uh during the storyline because this is a storyline this is the episode where Bodie is finally caught by Herc and Carve, who, after uh, Bodhi escaped from Boy's Village and went directly back to the pit where he works, the obvious place he would go, <laughs> Herc and Carve spend the last episode just going to random, like, they go over to, like, Bodhi's mom's house, and they're just, like, they are, they're too stupid to know <laughs> where exactly <laughs> Bodhi would be, and they finally catch up to him uh, at the pit. At the place where he always is. The, yeah, the place where he be. It's always the last place you look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, then they... His um, hangout is literally like a couch in the middle of a quad somewhere. Yeah, like, in an open not, field. Yeah. Yeah. He's nothing that couch, but... Ex- that couch was in Baltimore for a really long time, too. Yes. Actually, the funny thing is, I forget who said this, but uh, it, it was... Um, initially uh, for the pilot it was a a real couch that was just there in baltimore and they used it um and then someone between filming uh i think the city just took the couch because they're like Mm -hmm. you can't have a ratty couch sitting in the middle of this field Mm -hmm. and so they had to uh the like the set people had to build an exact replica of the shitty couch to use for the rest <laughs> of the series, uh, which I love that. I love that they were going to spend thousands of dollars to make a shitty projects couch because they forgot that, you know, things like that happen. You know, the city will condemn stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Carve and Herc, they get Bodie and uh, they put him into, into an interrogation room and they decide hey, let's do good cop, bad cop. And this is probably one of, one of the my favorite. Yeah, one of the all-time great wire comedy sequences. I do it's, like this. It's so great because, like, Carve is trying so hard. You know what? I'm really impressed with his acting in this because he's, he's playing a cop who is he's acting at acting. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. He does such yes, a great yes, yes. job of pretending to be bad at uh, a cop who's trying to be nice. Yeah, it's like it's, it's very so meta. uncomfortable. Like just like and, and you watch him, and it's like yes, this is how 
like a dumb guy who thinks he's smarter than the other person yes. would attempt to do like pickup artist rules on somebody. Yes. Yes. Where he's just, he shows up and he's like bracelet too tight. Like he's yeah. like oh, trying. Yeah. The second he did that, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, are you going to act like this is this guy's first time being arrested right. even? Yes. Oh, it's so good. I I have a, a clip. Bracelet too tight. <laughs> Cop you banged. It's Herc's uncle. Herc went off the leash on this one. And, um, I suppose you at the other end of that leash, huh? I know about coming up hard and all. But you came up hard? Flag House Projects. East Side. You know, you, you remind me of me. <laughs> I'm thinking we should work something out. What do I get? What you want? I, I want for you to suck my dick. You're supposed to be the good cop, dumb motherfucker. <laughs> it's great because, like, you know, like you said, Carver doing such a good job in that scene. But I also think Bodie does a really good job in that scene. Yes. Because you can tell that he doesn't buy this for a single second. And you're yes. waiting for the other shoe to drop that whole time. Like, what is he going to say that yes. like, exactly. bursts the mystique here? That's yeah. how I felt. I was like, oh, man, what is he good? The second yeah. they got really close, I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's so perfect because it's like the way that carve is being fake is such like a recognizable fakeness like we've all had that like the guy who uh comes to your school for the assembly to tell us about how he grew up hard like he did and, everything yeah. but sit backwards like, yes exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly he didn't like sit backwards on the chair and go let me rap with you real quick um yeah it is like it's it's just the tone of like condescension is so perfect and you can tell that Bodie immediately he he sees right through it and so it just makes the punchline all the better uh and then yeah. of course him just saying you're supposed to be the good cop Was dumb motherfucker <laughs> so but, good and then one of my one of uh you could make a drinking game of watching the wire and just having the subtle racist epithets that get popped in every oh, once yes. in a while like, you mean when uh Bodie is eating the sub or or do you mean when uh which which one? Oh, what's the one when he's eating the sub cuz i was talking about the one you just played when he calls mm -hmm. him a monkey yeah yes then, yes uh what's his face when he uh, like we'll probably talk about it later. When, There's when a he Chinese owned the sandwich uh, yeah. place. I'm guessing is what they're talking about, which has never What's been referenced before. What's the sandwich before. one? This sub be chink ass Bob's Bob. Of course, you might be all that when it comes to thumping on niggas, but you can't do shit with that stick, man. Oh, you do better. Oh, I uh, got you. I think I did miss that one because yeah. I had my note during that scene was these cops could run a boys' home if they weren't so abusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They almost kind of like relate to him and like Which get along. Like they're vibing for a second. They are. I think that's the main qualification for running a boys' home. Sadly, is uh, it's to be abusive. Being yes, abusive. Yeah. I know. Unfortunately, you're right. But yeah, like... but they do have a nice moment. Um, and, and you know, uh, it is it is sad. If unfortunately, uh, they are too abusive. In order. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, the other uh, racial epithet you're talking about is uh, Presbaluski when he cracks the code, the, the, the epithet yo's, 
which they say the, a lot which i have heard that before in just like actual people using that and so it was yeah. just so his whole point in that scene is just like i told you we were smarter than them like yes. he's just so elated <laughs> yeah. yes that like for a second he doubted that he possibly that these like kids selling drugs could have possibly been smart at all he's like right. you don't have to fucking know nothing it's yeah. the best like yeah, yeah. like me um just in <laughs> In terms of that scene, I do, uh, I do have to say one of the funniest things about Presbolewski cracking the code um, is that uh, he, in mentioning how he cracked the code, he goes, "Well, I really like word search puzzles. I like word search puzzles. You know where you got to find the hidden words. So I thought I could do the same thing with the numbers. If it was a code that involved math or algebra or whatever." These little yo's in the projects wouldn't be able to follow along. But with this, all you gotta do is jump the five button. <laughs> Ain't no math to it, it's just how the phone looks when you look at it. Fres, you little genius. Jesus, I could kill you. That's so good. I've never heard of an adult doing a word search. Yeah. Like that is that is a I've I've heard of adults playing crossword puzzles, mm -hmm. but like a word search is something you play when you're at it's at the kids menu. It's, yeah, it's at, like the bumper bowling of of like newspaper games. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that was, I guess, was he supposed to be like, I'm a wholesome nerd that's okay with getting mouth kissed? Like, why did they do <laughs> that? I mean, I think it's because it's like he's kind of a dumbass, but. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, they're pointing out that that he's a dummy uh, and that um, he might just be the perfect type of dummy to crack a code that uh, is meant for children, for young drug dealers. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that is like. Um, supposed to be i mean it's played as if it's like wow he's so smart i mean mcnulty calls him a genius um, yes but it and is kisses him like he's scarlet o'hara yeah <laughs> yes but it is also if you you know if you take kind of like i don't know a more broad view it's an insane it's it's a funny scene in which you're like wait 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 but this guy number one that's a code that is for kids so it's not that impressive that he cracked it and also like didn't he just blind a 14 year old kid isn't he a piece <laughs> of shit yeah and they're like oh you cracked a code you are fully redeemed <laughs> like, yeah but that's... even oh and you saying that it's like oh i blind people but i also love circling things with pencils like that <laughs> yeah. that's just giving him another facet <laughs> yes i love that and i think it's to me it's intentional because it's supposed to, i mean these are multi-faceted characters it's not there no, no one is purely evil or purely right. good um so it's not that we're supposed to think of presbolewski only as like the the worst moments that he has on the show but at the same time i does i do think it says a lot that like how easily he is forgiven even by quote-unquote good cops like mcnulty right um if it, it helps with his case you know oh yeah i think it says something i mean they're um, definitely setting him up at, like it traditionally like herc would be the guy who blinded someone because he's like the right he's like obviously like a big bully oh, yes, yes but like this show is kind of I think it's taking pains to point out that Presbo is like the classic sissy with a gun who's actually going to do more damage because he's the one that's he's the one that's trying to prove himself to all the other tough guys around him yeah. and is also right. like that more scared and more insecure about his own position. Right. Yeah. That's super fair. But to uh, to continue uh, wrapping up D storyline, um, 
the I think I don't know the centerpiece scene for D is uh, the scene in which he and his um, his girlfriend go to a fancy restaurant and um, he asks for a better table and he's denied and his girlfriend uh, mentions that he should have he should have pushed more which um, if I'm gonna be honest is every relationship I've ever had I do not like being confrontational at restaurants I will not ask for the if I get the wrong order I will eat the order. Francesca does not like this about me, but I have a lot of trouble asking um, people in the service industry to do the things that I want them to do. <laughs> That's dumb, Matt. That's dumb. I'm with Francesca. I, I know. A most people are. I, I just can't. I was about to say, uh, Matt, that's kind of extreme. I <laughs> know. No, I'm a, I am a true bitch. Like, Trying to get the right <laughs> order is not the same thing as sending a soup back exactly. at the Museum of Tolerance exactly. for the record. <laughs> I know it's not, but I, you have to understand, I was so uh, just traumatized by my dad always being a pain in the ass oh. at restaurants that like I'm like ch actively chosen the opposite. And it's done nothing but hurt me, to be honest. So um, you don't complain the way I tip too much. Oh, no, like, I tip. I, I also. Yeah, I, I, I mean, also like, tip I too tip much for like every black person. Oh. That like I'm basically just fighting a stereotype with every tip. Yes. No. Same. Same. Yeah, 100%. I get I, it. I do that as well. I always tip too much um, yep. because I like, am just. I will go to dinner with my white friends and be like, is this too much? And they're like, Jesus, yes. And I'm like, OK, good. And that's where I leave it. <laughs> Um, but D in the scene uh, is getting clearly uncomfortable with being in a restaurant, um, not just like surrounded by like white people but it's like he's he's rich uncomfortable people. with being with rich people who yeah. are not yeah they're not in the game they're not in his world they uh, and he's just worried about like do you think they know which is like something that um i don't know i i used to in college help my friends who were trying acid for the first time like we would go <laughs> around and i would help sherpa them because i really liked acid and a few times we would be in the middle of public and i would see this look on their face and I would just go up to them and put my arm around them and I go, nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. Because it's so <laughs> oh freeing. My God. It's so that freeing. Is so real, man. When, as when, far as tripping. <laughs> yes. When you realize like nobody knows a thing, they would never suspect that you're on acid right now. There's not a, at at worst, they'd be like, oh, he's high on weed. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that same way, I feel like D's girlfriend is trying to be like, nobody cares about your story. Do they know what? You know, look what I'm about. So? Your money good, right? D, we the only black people in here. It ain't about that. That ain't what I'm talking about. It's about where we... I'm just saying, you know, I feel like some shit just stay with you. You know what I'm saying? Can I interest you in dessert? Uh, yes, thank you. I'll bring the cart. Boy, don't nobody give a damn about you and your story. You got money, you get to be whatever you say you are. That's the way it is. Oh, sir, I'm sorry. These are the samples. She comes from, I think, a perspective that I think is like unfortunate because it's it is actually wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Because yeah. I yeah. was like the whole time she was talking, I was like, but she's wrong. She's yeah. wrong. Her perspective is that listen, if you have money, then everything, uh, then you can be whoever you want to be. She's basically a walking Scarface poster. Yeah. 
and what all these black men would emulate is like these are the rules i yes. get it i've seen it on tv this is the way it yeah. works yeah she, first you unlike, get the money then unlike, you get the power unlike matt she has never heard stephen jenkins of third eye blind clown beyonce for taking a1 to a steakhouse uh yes i whereas which, i have and i would never do that yeah, yeah but no. that's kind of i mean it's very clear like they're again it was the same in last episode when Bodie is at the boys home and he freaks out because not everyone's from his tiny neighborhood like right. their whole thing is that they're extremely provincial and they're not really comfortable like their whole their whole uh value to their job is like knowing their tiny neighborhood really well but yeah. like outside of that they're kind of lost and he's sort yeah. of like you know just the <laughs> the sequence where he takes the cake off the yeah. like he's yes. doing he's trying to do a double uh like a double flex where yes. he yes. knows what his he knows what his girlfriend wants so he's gonna like grab it and take it from right. her and then yeah. when the guy's like oh no that's the that's just the sample like he feels completely shamed and right. uh yeah and this it comes was all heartbreaking for me like he's yeah. trying so hard and just striking out at every turn yeah yeah and it, <laughs> and it comes right after the moment in which like his girlfriend is saying. Um, you no one cares about your story. If you have money, you know, capitalism will solve all of our problems. Um, right. money doesn't see color. Um, and I everything did should like be that fine. They kind of made that differentiation with that one other black couple in the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was like, Oh, it's not that. It's and that is, I think, a real thing that yes. I a lot of like when I was younger, my mom used to take me places on purpose that were nowhere near where we lived. Mm -hmm. So that when you go out, you know how to act and you don't do embarrassing stuff like this and like think that it's crazy that there's somebody in the bathroom all the time because mm -hmm. you've never been anywhere with a major d or whatever you call them. Like all of yeah. those little nuances that do make you feel self-conscious when you've literally never been there before. Right. Right, right. And like uh, how that's going to manifest later in insecurities is just like, oh, boy. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's a, this is a theme that comes up a few times in the series about especially regarding restaurants uh, in season four with the kids. You see the same thing. But uh, we'll get to that in season four. But I do love just to say that immediately after her saying capitalism will solve everything the symbolism of taking the cake down and not knowing how it works <laughs> is yes. like oh wait no there are some things money doesn't solve which is just like uh there are social codes written in higher society that are just you know gonna be alien especially to people who like grew up the way d'angelo grew up mm -hmm. um and uh they yeah. said let them eat cake but they didn't give him the specifics on they how didn't to, know which cake that that there were some yeah. that were sample cakes yeah you just said to eat the cake you didn't tell me that there was like a fake cake that uh, yeah there's to too many the model Yes, there's too many rules. Um, there's so many forks. I don't know where to start with this. I cake. mean, I gotta give. I gotta say, like even now, the uh, like, thank God there's no like dessert carts at fancy restaurants anymore for the most part. But like, yeah, watching it now, I'm like, I, even I don't really understand how the fucking dessert cart thing works. Like, you point at it. Yeah. How about and I just? And you let them do their job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes more sense to me to just have it on a picture on a menu, but menus but with it was pictures like, on them is like Denny's and they don't want to be Denny's. But like, it would be more understandable if he's like, grab the display cake and they're like, oh no, that's not the one. We have to go to the back to get you the real one. But it's like, 
No, we have the actual cake here. It's just not that specific cake. But underneath in this other rack, those are the real cakes. Not Yeah, on this. let me go into the back and get the real cake. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's just like when you go to a shoe store and you go, you got any yeah. bigger sizes? Give me a fresh one. Yeah, that please. no one's tried on yet. I don't want anyone that have been tried on. Um, and yeah, uh, D storyline uh, ends with the scene with Avon uh, and D in which they are visiting Avon's father, D's uncle, um, in some sort of state hospital facility. Oh. And um, Avon is just talking about how, uh, you know, life is uh, the thing that happens when you're in the game and you end up in a coma. I'm not really sure. Basically, yeah. I don't know how he got in a coma, but. Again, it, when we showed up there, I was like, am I supposed to know why this man is here? Yeah. And who yeah. this man is. Yeah. And I I also I do love that the scene he, opens. He described with him. the man as D'Angelo's uncle. uncle and this right. up until now, we've been led to believe that uh, Avon, Avon is D'Angelo's uncle. So this guy, I guess, is his great uncle. I don't know. I don't even know. That's how... what I was trying to say. Is that Avon's father? Would mm, that yeah. make that a I thought uncle? That's... And then you just call them both uncle. I think so. That's my guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I think that's what's going on. Um, he just and, treats uncles like cousins. Like I don't call any of my cousins my second cousins. Like all right. their babies are also my nobody, cousins. So it's just yeah. like all uncles. They're yes, just, exactly. Nobody, nobody knows so that. If my keep, if keep my cousins are straight. older than me, they're my uncles. If my cousins are younger than me, they're my cousins. It's oh, just that's okay. how I work. Um, but yes, uh, and then I do like that Avon is you know just like talk that shit now. He says to his dad in a coma. You never figured on this, did you? Live the life, lead the life, ain't no big thing. He used to talk that shit all the time and he believed it, you know what I'm saying? What's up, baby? Talk that shit now. Um, oh, what? Like, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's again, a surprisingly. Just black men not knowing how to show tender. Like he's holding his yeah, hand and yes, just like. It, it is tender. Living but the. And also, I guess that's maybe his own fear talking to him that yeah, way. But yes. that was very funny. I was like, what is going on? I love that too. Um, and then. The final storyline, we've talked about most of it. The pager clone is up and running, um, and there is a code that needs to be cracked. Um, and Prez figures out the code after he, like, does a... He takes a phone to a copy machine. Um, <laughs> and while that's happening, um, we also find there's some connections between the shot-up girl from the last couple of episodes, and uh, turns out basically that Jay Landsman was right that his fucking you oh know, yeah this... they have that little Law and Order segment where her friend runs her mouth about every she like yes. closes her yes. blinds like she's afraid and then yeah. talks to the cops for like thirty minutes yeah yeah it is a little uh, yeah it, also Law and Ordery for sure that murder scene still makes no sense like she was out with him but he also knocked on her window like why would why wouldn't he just show up we and don't shoot know her who the... knocked on the window he all did. right yeah we do he said he did no who d'angelo said he did yeah yeah but we're gonna maybe find out later that he's not the one who did ah, it got it okay yes um but it doesn't matter it's uh you know i mean it matters but hey this is this podcast can only go so long um just <laughs> yeah. one thing i did love about uh the whole thing with like jay landsman kind of like bragging about you know hey it turned out my uh my murdered lady is part of your case at one point 
uh, McNulty runs up to him and he's in the middle of saying the punchline of a joke. And, and the, it's the punchline is, and the bear said, you didn't really come here to hunt now, did you? <laughs> and just in that moment, uh, a black police, uh, female police officer just leaves the room disgusted while all the <laughs> men are laughing. I <laughs> miss that. It's That's such yeah. a small moment. Yeah. And, and I was just like, I got to know what the rest of that joke was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause I, at this point wrote bare ass in the workplace question mark. Like that yeah. guy is playing it fast and loose. Oh yeah. no. He, he just talked about jerking off to a child in the last episode. So we, he set a bar for himself. He then. has set a bar. Jay is a disgusting human being, but um, the ending of this episode with regards to, you know, the, um, the whole pager stuff is uh, Freeman comes up to Daniels and basically tells him they need to wire the pay phones. We should have had a tap and product pay phones by now. A wire there will get us the drugs. Keep pushing, we'll get a whiff of the money too. Now I know you're serious about climbing that career ladder and I know how slippery it gets the higher you go. But for me, I don't want to go to no dance unless I can rub some tit. Appreciate your honesty. Back in the 40s, that's how you got your money. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Because I was like, what are you like, two-stepping and like grabbing nipples? Yeah. And like, how are you rubbing all these tits out at the club? Yeah. I, I wonder if he means with his like his hand or is it oh, just like brushing I against meant, like, it? A cre I was imagining a lot of creepy grazing. Me too. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, no, I'm like, thinking palm to tit. Well, oh, right. Just full on. Yeah. I mean, He's he makes school. it sound like dances back in his day was mostly just a tit squeezing fest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. But that's uh, what the twist was really about. Yeah, exactly. Do the twist was about nipple tweaking. <laughs> um, but in that scene, what I find interesting is that, like, he is immediately proven right by the next sequence of events that happens. Um, Wallace and Poot see Brandon playing pinball at the Greek spot. Wallace pages D with 911-911. D calls Wallace back. D pages Sting, tells him about uh, tells him about Brandon's uh, string and uh, uh, string meets Wallace and Poot, who point him out at the Greeks, and they get all of the pages on the computer. They all come through, but like while that is like good evidence to have. If they had had a fucking wiretap on the Ooh, on the payphones, they would have gotten shit. the whole yeah. thing. Everybody they just saying the whole everybody thing. saying, let's go Brandon into the phone like it would have been. Yeah, it is like <laughs> it's crazy how immediate that Freeman is proven to be correct. They should have had a fucking if they had wiretaps on the payphones, they would have gotten the murder of Brandon. Instead, what they have is kind of circumstantial evidence um regarding the murder of um omar's boyfriend and it's a it's a sad it's a sad thing because we know that um the it's not going to be pretty we see someone has some handcuffs and we're like this is uh yeah this is going to be more than just a murder it looks ominous and i don't yes. i can't imagine the kind of rage that would come out of omar because Ooh, do you yeah. know how many people you have to kill for a whistle to catch on like he's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Like the precedent that this man has set. Yeah, to be able to whistle the farmer in the dell and just like do robberies with children's rhymes and be like the cheese stands alone. 
Yes. Hi ho, Dario. Like you said, the references that he's doing, you know, people half the time don't even know them. They're just confused and afraid. Yes. They're <laughs> like, I don't know what he meant by the cheese stands alone, but I'm afraid. Yeah. I just heard something about the Iliad and then a gun cocked and I ran. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, man. But we will see how he responds to whatever happens in the next episode. If you had to if you had to rate this episode, give it like a letter grade. Um I think I would give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode if you had to give it a letter grade? I give it a solid B plus and I don't know uh if I'm uh jumping out of bounds here, but I I just wanted to point out that bird who we see for the first time. Yes. Uh, in this episode is uh, played by Fredro Starr of the uh, the hip hop group Onyx. Thank yes. you. Which, the first time I watched it, I was like, "Why the fuck do I know that guy's face yes. so well?" It's yeah. Q from Alicia. <laughs> oh, there you yes, go. Yes. He's a, he's a, he got some shit done. I was so excited to see him too. <laughs> yes, yeah. He's just great at mean mugging. I mean, the guy yeah. has got oh, a wonderful mean mug. Terrifying. He was terrifying on a sick a sitcom with laugh tracks. <laughs> yes. He was still scary. Yeah, he's the only time I ever heard uncomfortable laugh tracks on yes. a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> uh Katrina, if you had to rate this episode uh from a scale of say B plus to B plus, how would you rate this episode? I think I would give it a B plus because I feel like it's like an A for references like Odell's, which is a club my mom actually went to. Nice. And then nice. maybe a C for Nolte try calling his wife a cunt and that gets you back to a <laughs> B plus. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. It, Very teacherly. Yes, it is. It is a. Solid B-plus episode of The Wire and a solid A-plus episode of Pod Yourself, The Wire. Katrina Davis, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always the best time. I would love to have you back. And is there um, uh, anywhere where people can find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me at Katrina Savad, S-I-V-A-D. It's just Davis backwards, but mm. my website, my handles on all the internet stuff, everything's the same. And on my website, it has shows and places to watch my special and everything. Check it out wherever you get your internet. Yeah. Thank you so much, <laughs> Katrina. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, patreon.com slash broadcast eight dollars here gets you a shout out vince i have a few shout outs for you this week um uh all right first one is colin co yeah colin coke kane we're gonna call this guy big daddy kane big daddy kane love it okay mm -hmm. uh next is melissa ketsukek mm, we call her the toucan okay i like it that's good just because yeah why i don't know that's what her name reminded me of okay um next is joanna war uh, robel i i don't know how to pronounce her name she's polish she paid in polish slotties so i'm gonna assume that's robel then maybe man yeah, i don't know is it um we're gonna we're gonna call her crack baby but like why not <laughs> Well, just crack with K R A K because like crack out, like crack, you know, because she's from Poland. Yeah, there we All go. right. Yeah, you got there. Um, mm -hmm. Next is Dan Paradis. Um, Paradis. Wasn't it that, uh, that was Johnny Depp's ex wife, wasn't it? Paradis. Uh, we're going to. Paradis nuts. We're going to call this guy Sorry. Edward Scissorhands. Okay. 
All right. Mm -hmm. uh, four more. Peter Tobiasen. Oh, well, that guy, that guy is the real Viking. Fuck Johnny Weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're mm -hmm. calling him the real Viking. Uh, mm -hmm. Eric Schultz. Uh, we're going to call, wow. Yeah, we're going to call this guy the Commandant. Okay. Sounds German. Well, I was going to go with something Jewish, but then I was like, no. You could also go German. like Peanut because of the Peanuts because of Charles Schultz. Oh, uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, Snoopy. All right, call him. No. We're calling him Snoopy. Yeah, we'll call him Snoopy. Yeah, All right, uh, Andy Loy. Uh, yeah, we're gonna call this guy. Uh, um, Loy. That's a, all right. Uh, <laughs> what's the lawyer's name in this show? Oh, uh, fuck. I don't remember, man. Loy. We call him the lawyer. I don't know. Just say Loy. Yeah. That's what we're calling him, the lawyer. Okay, Andy Lloyd, the lawyer. And finally, yeah. Matt Nyquist. Yeah, Nyquist. I mean, the, he's daring me to call him Nyquil, but I'm going to go Midol with him. Midol. Matt Midol Nyquist. Love yeah, it. Yeah, there we go. Once again, the $8 tier gets you a shout-out and a gangster name. Um, of course, there are a bunch more that we've gotten, but we can't get to all of them this week. So listen next week where your name might pop up patreon.com slash broadcast broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions comments and concerns vince what is the google voice number 415-275-0030 all right everyone thanks again so much for listening and until next time if you come at the king you best not miss yeah wire podcast the world's only wire podcast yeah, bitch, this is a show about The Wire, and it's also about putting out some fires. It's about war on drugs and the war on terror. It's about lots of things, but it's also about cool guys who sell drugs to their friends and their thugs, and everybody's seeing all the things going on, and no one doing nothing. And no one's ever gonna win And the war won't end Till everyone tries heroin It's about schools And people who work at the docks And people who teach in schools And the newspaper guys at the end And also about drug dealers And also about drug users And also about McNulty Getting a divorce from his wife
anyways. <laughs> I'm a southern alligator. <laughs> and, uh, oh boy, do I love me some Cajun cooking. You just give me a nice crawl, Dad. <laughs> and I'll just, ooh, and I'll eat me a crawl, Dad. I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like I'm failing you guys. <laughs> But I love the harmonies in that song. Okay. See you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.